Hello, everybody. This is Giancarlo Alino welcoming you to a special In the Zone MMA edition today with our special guest, Michael Asifo. What up, what up, what up? Vibe 105 and North Bay's finest radio announcer. He's thank, back on. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing well. You know, can't complain. Came from a workout, got some water here, and back to be, well, I'm glad to be back in the dot, the six, Toronto. Um, you know, not not happy about the Raptors' performance oh. against the Bucks, but it's game one. They can bounce back, so it is what it is. Yeah, so you're coming back. You made a big down there in North Bay. I was uh, when I asked you to come on, I was surprised. I thought, okay, I'm gonna have to do some lunch meetings, some dinner <laughs> meetings with some people. Your people talk to my people. We have lunch, <laughs> dinner, and we'll finalize a date. But I'm happy you said, yeah, let's talk some MMA. Yeah, no, I look. You know how much I love MMA, and there's an MMA event. Every week, yeah, literally every week. <laughs> I don't know if I'm okay with that technically, but it li- gives us some good fights. Honestly, I think that as long as nobody's fighting twice in two months, then I'm good. So what do you? Th- yeah, because you brought up that like, and there's a card every other week. What do you think of ESPN now? ESPN Plus. Then you got the pay per view on ESPN. Like, is that oversaturated right now? Yes and no. Now, I think the reason why you would say yes is because the okay, I'm going to say it like this. UFC Ottawa, for example, had a card that featured I want to say five or six Canadians. Um, one of them being Mitch Gagnon of Troop MMA fame in Sudbury. Um, one of them being the former BTC champion. So there's a lot of cards that feature guys. Okay, bring them in just for oh just because we need a guy, yeah, right? Um, and they pay him $9,000 and off you go. And I think that that damages MMA in terms of bringing in guys. I'll say it like this. Okay, you want to know why? My theory is why guys go on losing streaks is because it's really expensive to keep up MMA as a yeah. hobby and keep it up as a sport. You got to pay your trainer. You got to pay your agent. You got to go on the road. You're an independent contractor. And you also have to sacrifice your work days in terms of Saturdays, sometimes your evenings. You got to find times to train. You got to find your right trainer to train. And so it's a very expensive sport to keep up, right? So the winners can actually pay for those things and while the losers can't. So that's when when guys lose, they lose because they're not training right, because they can't afford to train right. And so as a result, even the winners now won't be able to train right because now they just bring them in for a card and you get $9,000 and off you go. That's why I'm very, I wouldn't necessarily say conscious, um, no, not conscious, but I'm, I'm not, wouldn't say I'm hesitant of these new cards, but I'm very concerned for the long-term effect of these kind of every other week cards because no one's going to care about them and therefore the UFC can justify giving fighters less money. By the way, they don't get sponsors to supplement that yeah, income. Buck, no. Right? So that's why I get a little conscientious. From a business perspective for the fighters, being an amateur fighter myself, I get a little, what's the word, skittish about those cards. But at the end of the day, yes, because I'm... I want to see more fighters. I want to see guys who are hungry in the UFC. I want to see more cards. And I think MMA is at a level now that it hasn't previously been at. It is 
right now at a level like and from a pure competition perspective it's at a level now where there are so many guys are so good honestly so many guys are so good no longer are you going to get a guy who doesn't deserve to be in the ufc anymore that argument is dead and gone there's a lot of guys in there who are very very good and now it's just about the what separates the best from the okay and the okay to the bottom of the heap in MMA it comes down to minute details it comes down to someone who's just a split second faster it comes down to beast of athleticism you know sometimes unfortunately it comes down to who's taking more drugs <laughs> you know let's not yeah you know let's let's keep it a buck with each other <laughs> yeah let's keep it a buck with each other um, but at the end of the day I think that competition right now is really good and I think that Solid MMA is being shown every week. I mean, we had Israel Adesanya versus Calvin Gaslam, Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier, Jack Hermanson versus Jack Ray Souza, and Ali Quinto versus Donald Cerrone. Oh, and never mind that. Before that, we had Marty from Nebraska versus Tyron <laughs> Woodley. Uh, you know, quality fights all yeah. in the span of two to three months which produce quality results. Oh, Darren Till versus Jorge Masvidal. Yeah. Another one, right? And we're getting Pettis versus Diaz soon. So we're getting quality fights. We're getting quality MMA. Johnny Walker. I Look, you know, Misha Serkinov, I love the guy. Extreme Couture fame. He's a guy that we need to support as Canadians because he's he's our guy. Yeah, <laughs> but he got dusted yeah. by by Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker is going to be a star. So I mean, long winded answer, but the point I'm trying to make is, it depends. That's what I'm trying to say with these ESPN cards, and it has nothing to do with ESPN. It has nothing to do with the fact that these cards are a lot. It's just it makes me skittish that every week there's a fight, and it's going to be just hard for casuals to keep up for every week. You know. Yeah, and then you mentioned Donald Cerrone. This guy's out of his damn mind. He wins a fight against Raging Al, tough guy. And right away, four weeks later, five weeks later, he accepts a fight with Tony Ferguson. Like, what do you do? You think he should take a fight like that? And yes, do you think he should? Yeah. yeah. Will he get a title shot if you? Like, yeah, that's that's know? what he's banking on. He's banking on being Tony Ferguson and getting a title shot right after. Um, I think everyone and their mother agrees that really, truly. It should be Habib Nurmagomedov versus Tony Ferguson yeah. for the championship. It's half the reason why George St. Pierre decided to retire because Dana was not budging on that matchup. He was Somebody not budging. Was. Um, you know, whether or not you agree with that is up to you. But I think everyone agrees that Tony Ferguson versus Habib should be the next fight. Unfortunately, Tony Ferguson turned down the fight. Yeah. Um, he's got some issues that he was working out, and it looks like his on the process or has worked them out and Dustin Poirier's now stepped in. Now I'm not saying Dustin Poirier is the number two or the second choice and I'm not saying Dustin Poirier doesn't have a shot against Habib. Of course he does. But what I'm saying is is that it's Ferguson and Habib and these are basically the quote unquote tune-up matches yeah. for them to finally face each other. But what happens if we flip down its head? What happens if Cerrone ends up being Ferguson. Oh, that would be amazing. If you he know? does it, that would be incredible. What yeah. happens if Poye beats Habib? What happens if both of those things happen? Right? I think you can still do Khabib and Tony if Dustin and Cowboy win. 
Yeah, no, of course. But the point I'm trying to make is, is that these are what these guys are banking on, yeah. right? And these opportunities only come by once in a while. And Dana's made it very clear that if you don't take this fight, you're getting blasted on Twitter, first <laughs> off. Yeah, definitely. And then second off, they're going to move on. And you may never, ever get this opportunity again. Um, also, it should be of note, it's not like Donald Cerrone took a lot of damage in the Ally Quinta fight. Um, I had him winning four rounds to one. Yeah. So, and that one being the infamous first round jitters that Donald Cerrone has for some absolute reason. He can't figure it out in the first round. But, you know, that's my whole thing with this specific case is that Donald Cerrone needed to take this fight because he's not getting any younger. And the gamble is you beat Tony Ferguson, you're facing somebody for a title. Yeah. And, uh, now another wild card in this, Conor McGregor. He said he's supposedly retired, but you know how he works. Like He sees, oh, do you want to do Dustin Poirier and Khabib? I can do the rematch because it went so well last time. Well, he eventually managed to squeak in there and find a, himself in a rematch with Khabib. His stock is dropping. Um, and I don't want to make it sound like it's a commodity thing. Look, you beat the best and you get in there. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be you lost, go fight somebody else. Get yourself back in there. Josh Koscheck did that, right? That's why he got three title shots against GSP because he just kept winning. He just couldn't win the big one. Kenny Florian did it in like almost every division. You know, you lose, you fight the best again, you get yourself a shot. That's the way it's got to be. But unfortunately, that's not the way the real world works. And Conor McGregor has a lot of cachet, but he doesn't have as much cachet as he used to. And the only reason why Ferguson... The only reason why it's Ferguson versus Cerrone and not Ferguson versus McGregor or not Ferguson versus, sorry, or not McGregor versus Cerrone is because Conor McGregor tried to negotiate something and Conor McGregor failed at negotiating something, which is a telltale sign that, yeah, the stock is dropping a little bit. So I think Conor McGregor is not going to find himself in a rematch unless he beats somebody. He doesn't even, I, I honestly think that Conor McGregor doesn't even need to do much. He just needs to beat a Pettis or he doesn't find the UFC. I was going to say Alvarez, but not even. Yeah. If Conor McGregor beats Justin Gaethje right now, next fight, he beats Justin Gaethje, he's getting a title shot. Oh, my God. Can you imagine that? Like, Justin Gaethje, that guy's scary, though. No, <laughs> he's scary. Conor McGregor but can do that? Y- yeah, no, I'm not saying that it's going to happen. I'm not trying to tell yeah. tales at school. But what I'm saying is, is that if Conor McGregor, he doesn't need a top guy to beat. That's what I think his stock is still in that range where if he beats a guy in a tune-up match, yeah, tune-up because there's no tune-up fights in the UFC. But if he beats somebody outside the top five, I am convinced he's getting a title shot. Convinced he could beat Justin Gaethje. He could beat Edson Barbosa. Kevin Lee doesn't fight in the division no more, but you know Kevin Lee. He could beat I don't know. Throw a name. Let's see. Raging Al. He could beat Raging Al. If he beats Raging Al, he's getting a title shot. Think he beats Cowboy? Yeah. If he loses to Ferguson, yeah, they'll say, yeah. okay, here, now that you lost, we're going to give you Conor McGregor, tune-up fight. We'll do it in two months because, you know, the UFC works. And yeah. <laughs> you know, if Conor, I think Conor McGregor, the best possible matchup for Conor McGregor in the top five is Don Cerrone. Yeah. It's because what's the one thing about Conor McGregor that he does really well? Get in people's heads. No, it's not even that. He explodes in the first round. And then Cerrone's slow in the first round. Exactly. And age and... Exactly. That is a match made in disaster. Especially with Conor McGregor's boxing and what Cerrone bad at? Boxing. Yeah. So it's like, 
the, the things that would make Conor McGregor, which is why I'm so surprised he was negotiating a little too hard on Donald yeah. Cerrone, is because this is a matchup that, by all accounts, should favor McGregor. This is exactly who you'd want to face. Um, now, look, Cerrone's been adding a lot of tools to the box there. I'm not going to lie. He's as good as he's ever looked. And I mean ever, which is crazy to say at him being age, what is he, 35 right now? Yeah, he's got to be 35, 36. Yeah, somewhere around there. It's crazy to think about, but that's the matchup. That is his best possible matchup. You know, even just just from a pure fighting perspective, never mind the, the, the shit talking and stuff, but it's just the pure fighting perspective. Great first round starter against a bad first round starter. Yeah. Knockout power against someone who's taken a lot of damage in their, their career, right? I know Cerrone could take shots at lightweight better than at welterweight, but he's taken some damage in his career, right? Um, great boxer, bad boxer. All fights start in mid-range. If you want to take somebody down, you got to go into mid-range. Um, now, Habib was able to just kind of bypass that yeah. entirely. Make him humble. But <laughs> the point is, is that Car- that's the matchup for Conor, right? I'm, I'm very surprised he didn't take it. So, long-winded answer. Yeah, like, he, he, Conor McGregor beats Cerrone. Yeah. Um, in my opinion. That's what I think. Now, let's get to this. Because the heavyweight title scene with Daniel Cormier, we thought we were going to get him and Brock Lesnar. Everyone's excited about that online. Brock Lesnar decides, you know what? They didn't pay me enough money. I'm tired of this USADA testing. I want to go back and my ranch and just start getting huge again. And now he retired. We're getting Cormier versus Stipe again after he just knocked him out in the first round. Do you think like Cormier should fight like Stipe or should he have held out for John Jones? No, I'm I'm okay with it. You okay with it? I'm okay with it. I would have rather John Jones three, um, but I'm okay with Stipe getting a rematch. I think he deserves it if all things are equal. But the thing with Stipe that upsets me the most is for years, he was a thorn into the side of the UFC. For years, he was a guy who was difficult to work with when it came to making matches with the UFC. Um, whether it be beca- for whatever reason, it was just... That was the way it was. And then he's surprised at the UFC kind of passing him up. Yeah. It's like, why are you so surprised? You know what I'm saying? It's like he's he's acting like, oh, you owe me and this. It's like, first off, Daniel Cormier does not owe you a damn thing. Daniel Cormier beat you in the first round with one punch. And Daniel Cormier is also... 41 years old. Yeah. And Daniel Cormier also understands that Brock Lesnar was his chance to cash in big. He doesn't owe you a damn thing. He owes... You know who he owes a thing, though? His wife, yeah. his children, his businesses. And that's what he's thinking of, right? That, for me, was where I got really upset with Stipe in this you-owe-me garbage, right? But if we call it a buck a buck, Stipe is the only heavyweight to defend his title three times. Yeah. He should get another crack at a championship match. Also, but but my thing is, is that when it becomes apparent that you do not get a championship match, go back out there and fight. Yeah. Go back out there and fight. If you're really confident that you can beat Daniel Cormier, then why are you not confident you can't beat Francis Ngannou? I don't think anyone could beat that. Could you saw how scary he looked against Curtis Blades when he just KO'd him and then oh, Cain man. Velasquez. You know, he saw his knee buckle. I don't want any part of Francis. That guy's a future champ. <laughs> you know, I think he needed that loss against Stipe yeah. to go through the evolution that he's going through. Um, you know, diamonds go through pressure to turn into diamonds. Right? Well, coal turns. Yeah. Whatever. You get my point. Yeah. Um, 
And Naganu, I think that was the case with him, right? He needed to go through getting embarrassed before he could become him himself again, right? So I'm just saying, like, look, if, you know, you say Daniel Cormier owes you a rematch, well, maybe you owe Francis Naganu a rematch. Yeah, I'd rather just sit here, take the belt, I'm off, I'll go down the light heavyweight, <laughs> fight the guys there. He's so scary. He is. He's man. so scary. And the thing about him, too, is, like, I've noticed he looks leaner. Yeah. He looks um, not as kind of beat, like, before Francis Ngannou just looked like a beast of a human being. He still yeah. is a beast of a human being and still looks like it, but he looks a lot more in suited shape. for five rounds. Yeah, like more in shape for yeah. five rounds. He takes his training camp probably more seriously since mm. then. So right there, like, I don't see any heavyweights beating him now after that. Yeah. Look, if you're going to beat Francis Ngannou, you're going to survive Francis yeah. Ngannou. That's <laughs> kind of the thing. Yeah, you're going to survive Francis Ngannou. That's kind of where we're at right now. It's like Yo Romero, where yeah. I don't think Robert Whitaker beat Yo Romero the second time. The first time, yeah, he yeah. definitely got him. Like, And you want to know why he got him? Because Robert Whitaker is the sneakiest guy at doing stance changes. And you don't know what he's thinking. And it ruins your timing. It messes you up. And Yo Romero relies on timing to succeed. Right, he relies on you doing something then, to then proceed yeah. to do something. Right, and that's what got Yo Romero the first time. He was caught off by surprise at how many times Robert Whitaker would switch from boxing stance to karate stance and vice versa. How many times Robert Whitaker would switch into southpaw? Um, little did we know it was because his knee was hurt. But you know these little things. That's what why Robert Whitaker won the first time. The second time, Robert Whitaker survived. Yo Romero. Yeah. He survived. Um, he was never, he never, at least to me, he never felt like he was in danger of finishing Yo Romero. It just felt like he was out point, outscoring Yo Romero, right? And then in the fight to the finish, he kind of was like, okay, I'm up by like, if we use a hockey reference here, I'm up by a goal. I'm going to just load the box, even though he's got the empty net out. Yeah, right? And defend there. Yeah. So now with that middleweight title scene with Whitaker, do you think he has enough to beat Adesanya? Because Adesanya, I don't know, like he kind of reminds me about like he does have that Anderson Silva style to him where he's unorthodox. A lot of people say even Michael Venom Page, but he got exposed. Adesanya, do you think he has what it takes to dethrone Whitaker? Let's talk about that Michael Van Page yeah, thing. Uh, another in another time, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll answer your question for you. I think Whitaker beats. If Whitaker's healthy, I think Whitaker beats Asanya. Um, now, the one thing about that Calvin Gaslam match that was interesting to me was how susceptible Asanya is to getting faked. Yeah. Right? Um, now, it's not often enough that I... I'll, I'll rephrase it like this. It's not often enough that you should be concerned for him moving forward in his career. I still think he can beat a lot of guys. But Robert Whitaker is so sneaky. Like, he's sly. Like, it's very... He, I, not very many people appreciate Robert Whitaker. And he's like, he has a great record, too. I'm so like, no one really gives no him the respect. No one really appreciates Robert Whitaker. Hey, go watch Robert Whitaker's old fights. Watch him in some film. Watch him against Jacare. Watch him against Derek Brunson. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. He's so sneaky. And he's a consummate martial artist. He knows exactly what he's doing. Um, and I just think that against Gaslam, if you're getting faked by someone who's 5'9 and doesn't have nearly the reach and he's getting you with stuff, 
against Robert Whitaker, who doesn't have that same reach disparity as much at least as Kevin Gaslam, I think you're going to be susceptible to Robert Whitaker. And the thing about Robert Whitaker that a lot of people aren't grasping is he also has power. Yeah. He's got power. Um, so I think that if healthy, Whitaker is a bad matchup for Adesanya. Um, with that being said, no one's being Yo Romero ever again. So even if Asanya were to win were to win against Whitaker, it's murderer's row he's got next up because he's gotta face Romero, Hermanson, maybe Jacare, Weidman. Um he's got a lot of guys there. There's a lot of guys. Uh you know Costa. Costa uh, yeah. Costa's a Costa's a different animal. Yeah. Um for the record, Costa going and attacking Yo Romero for saying he's a soldier of the devil. I'm, I want to say this. I want to say this as n- nice and as humanly like I don't want to be over the top about this. But there is a video of Paulo Costa taking an IV into his vein. At best, and this is the absolute best, giving you the benefit of the doubt. You are a cheater because when everyone else else has agreed to not do an IV, yeah. you did it. And at worst, you're a steroid user. Because what do IVs allow you to do? Take everything. <laughs> Take everything and mask it. So it's either one or the other. And Yo Romero saw that and said his piece. You have no excuse. So I don't understand. Well, I know why he did it, because he got he has to save face. Yeah. He's embarrassed. But for me, for you to take an IV is either at worst you're a steroid user and at best you're a cheater because you cheated the rules. Yeah. So Paulo Costa to me, I've lost a lot of respect for him. He could still whoop a lot of people's ass, but yeah. <laughs> I've lost a lot of respect for him. And by the way, by the way, if we want to really keep it a buck, his body transformation from when he started in the Ultimate Fighter to now. Yeah, it looks a little suspect. I'm sorry. I can't tell. Is he on something? Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, he must have just worked out a lot. Yeah. Wow. Three Jeez. times a day, lifting weights. Yeah, eating. <laughs> eating his vitamins and saying his prayers. Get get out of here, man. You know what I'm saying? That's This is exactly what I wanted to avoid. Yeah. I didn't want to be like this, but I'm like this. We're here now, right? I'm sorry, but Paulo Costa is, this is an embarrassment and an affront to USADA. I think this is honestly I think this is worse than picograms with John Jones oh. and I think it might be worse than not testing for EPO. Yeah, that's a bad one. Right? That's up there. This is in a front because Paulo Costa I did you hear about him getting suspended? No, like they just said, "Oh, we don't know why he pulled out and cuz Usada doesn't release that anymore surprisingly, right? Right. So it, this guy should be ashamed of himself, right? And and by the way, the idiot who took the IV, who took a uh, video of the IV and posted it to whatever, they Smart need to guy. be they mm-hmm. they need to be removed from his camp. That that is the stupidest thing you could ever do. But yeah, this, this Paul Costa should be ashamed of himself, right? Um, horrifying. That that's bad. Yeah. It's 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 terrible. But sorry, I went on. Tangent. No, no, don't worry. It's it, good. Yeah, he he should be ashamed of himself. Um, Paulo Costa, in my opinion, is a dirt bag, right? And I have no problem saying that. He's grimy, he's dirty, he's shady, and that was an embarrassment, what I saw there. Okay, continue. So speaking of guys, uh, Pico Grams, John Jones defending his title against Thiago Santos. Thiago Santos, actually, you know what? Like, he's actually throwing the body. Like, this is what Anthony Lionheart Smith didn't do. 
Thiago Santos goes in for like aggressive first round right away, doesn't like hold back. He signed up for a five round fight. He's going there with a mentality. I want this over in five minutes. Like, do you think he can beat John Jones, shock the world? No. Damn it. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're trying uh, to build him up as much as I could. No, I do think Thiago Santos is a great fighter. Yeah. Um, I do think that Thiago Santos hits hard. And I do think the way Thiago Santos fights, he's not trying to, to win a decision. No. There's no decision in there. He's way past the point of decision. My thing is, is that John Jones, the reason why guys freeze up against John Jones is because John Jones has an 87-inch reach. John Jones kicks your knees out when you're not expecting it because you have to come to him, right? It's like, look, when Mike Perry throws an oblique kick, it's hilarious because it's Mike Perry and he's stocking and he's like, he needs to come in on you, right? When John Jones throws an oblique kick, it's because you're walking towards him and he and your knee gets buckled. Yeah, and then he sets up the take, and he sets up his takedown as you just on in every facet of martial arts. John Jones, he might even be a better boxer, even though he's yeah. not going to wade into a fight fight. John Jones might be a better boxer. He's a lot more creative. He's elusive. He's a better grappler. The one thing that Tiago Santos has is power. But here's the thing. Did power help creating the Rampage Jackson against John no, Jones? didn't. Now, like, look, Tiago Santos is a much more creative fighter than Quinn the Rampage Jackson. I don't think Quinn the Rampage Jackson even knows the meaning of a kick. <laughs> and I love Quinn Jackson. But, you know, I don't think he knows the meaning of a kick. Like, I... If you ask him to throw a kick, you'll be like, what's that? Um, <laughs> I just know punches and haymakers. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, Tiago Santos, meanwhile, is out here throwing spinning heel kicks. So yeah. it's not like Tiago Santos does not have the requisite creativity to match with John Jones. But what I'm saying is, is that John Jones should pull out a victory um, and he's going to be smart about it. So who fi- like this is another one then who fights John Jones after that because the light heavyweight division like Johnny Walker's there but he's not at that level of star power where you can say okay I'm gonna put him in the main event but the casual viewer probably doesn't really know who he is and then you look down the list Luke Rockhold is he gonna fight Luke Rockhold I doubt it because Lionheart Smith wants to knock his head off and that's another fight Gustafson he beat already I think he has to move up to heavyweight okay remember when Anderson Silva was on top yeah. Do you remember anybody he beat? Charles Sonnen. That's about it, right? Yeah. He beat Travis Luther. He beat Stephen Bonner. He beat Dan Henderson. Yeah. Right? And all those matches. Oh, he beat Sandman Irving. He beat Forrest Griffin. Oh, Chris Lieben first Chris fight. Lieben. He beat Hall of Famer Rich Franklin twice. Those are a lot of good names. Like, those yeah. are legit first or second ballot, with the exception of Travis Luther. Yeah. First or second Hall of Fame ballot Hall of Famers, but it wasn't about them. It was about what Anderson Silva was going to do to them, right? John Jones is getting to that territory where it's not about his opponent. It's about what John Jones is going to do to his opponent. You know those WWE chants where it's like so and so is going to kill you. Oh yeah, right. That is what it's like right now. I don't think it matters until that matchup comes where he's got to face somebody. I don't think it matters who he faces. Now, I think, honestly, John Jones's nightmare matchup is Johnny Walker. Really? Um, I think Johnny Walker, the problem is you can't put Johnny Walker in there just yeah, yet. He's you strong. just can't. He's, he's too young, um, and you got to build him. And by the way, there's something called a ranking system, right? Yeah, and he's like eighth or ninth, I think, right now. Yeah, right. So he's not there yet. But I think John, Johnny Walker would be the guy who would eventually take down John Jones. Um, I thought Dominic Reyes had a shot, and then Vulcan happened, and it was like yeah, that he won, but 
it was not the performance I wanted to see. And even people saying like Adesanya and him are going back and forth. I don't want to see that fight. Adesanya, Adesanya get yeah. And he's yeah. they say he's six four. He doesn't even look six four. Adesanya? Yeah. Yeah, no, he he's six four. He's just a skinny six four. And then John Jones is like six four but legit, like cutting down from two twenty five. Dude he, it, dude, it's insane. Okay, I'm pretty sure John Jones is six six. Yeah. Right? I'm pretty sure. It's crazy. He is so long and so tall. Anthony Smith is six four. Yeah, when he was like beside he was six he looked like he dwarfed Anthony Smith. He was just like a bigger man. Physically, like it was crazy. Um, yeah, no, look, it's gonna be about what John Jones does to his opponents now. He's gonna, I'm not, I don't know. Look, Tiago Sanchez, everybody has a chance. There, when you strike with somebody, there is more potential for things to go sideways, right? Because things happen, it just happens, yeah. right? Of course, Tiago Santos could hit John Jones with an overhand, but so could have Forrest Griffin. You know, so could have Leo Machida, so could have Rashad Evans, so could have Daniel Cormier twice. Yeah. He had two chances to do it. What happened? Right? Anybody, you know, anyone's got a chance. It's just, you know, let's be honest with each other. Let's keep it a buck. You know, do you think it's going to happen? No. I want to see John Jones move up. Francis and Gunn is waiting for him, standing across the octagon. You want to just clinch with him? Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be, the, that's a fight that even whoever loses, whoever wins, I think the fans win that. And that's something that the UFC eventually should look towards. Man, and the crazy thing about that is Francis and Gunn has a similar reach. So that yeah. post and retreat thing is not going to work. It's not going to, and he's going to kick his leg. That leg is huge. It's going to maybe luck. do a bruise. <laughs> good luck. Look, and uh, yeah, another fight that was made this past week, Max Holloway is going to go back to featherweight and he's going to fight Frankie Edgar finally. That fight that's, they've been there like a similar time, hasn't really aligned, but now that Holloway's moving down, maybe Brian Ortega fights a beat. What do you think about the featherweight division right now in the UFC? Okay, I want to caution what I'm about to say with, hear me out. When Conor McGregor beat Jose Aldo in 13 seconds... That effectively ruined the luster of the division. The reason why is because when guys move up and down on this featherweight division, it makes the featherweight division seem meaningless. Yeah. Everyone knows that the premier division in the UFC is lightweight. Yeah, definitely. Right? Max Holloway just lost to a guy who was number four in the ranking system and might, I hope, it's competitive, but might be shut out by Habib Nurmagomedov, right? What's my point in all this? Is that it does it makes it hard for a casual fan to be excited for Max versus Frankie Edgar, especially considering the fact that if we really should keep it honest, it should be Max Holloway versus Volkanovski. Yeah. Right? Now, Volkanovski's hurt. Um, apparently, he has an infection, which started with swelling in the foot. Um so, okay, you got to move on. But then it's got to be somebody else, right? Yeah. My thing is is that I just think that this matchup, for me, kind of shows the ruining of the luster. Because it used to be a premier division. You had Chad Mendes, you had Jose Aldo, Car McGregor, you had Marcus Brimage, who came over as a champion. Um, you had Dustin Poirier. And now it's just kind of... Yeah, because everyone moves up, moves mo- down. Moves up, moves down. Um, now, look, you can say that about a lot of the divisions, right? Um, but it used to be guys would move down and move up after a losing streak. 
because you know whether a guy's too big or whether he's cutting too much weight or whatever, right? Um, that's how Robert Wicker became champion. He was in welterweight, lost to Stephen Thompson, and was like, "Yeah, I need to figure this out and move down." For me, I just think that no one cares about featherweight in their own division. So now I feel like I don't care about my division. I, I don't now I feel like I don't care about the featherweight division because no, they don't even care about yeah. it. Right um, now, I like Zabit versus Brian Ortega. I think that's absolutely the fight to make. I think that Volkanovski, you can't wait for him and you need somebody. And Frank Edgar has always been a stud and will always step up. But I think there's a couple other matchups that you could have did that were a little more justifiable. Um, you I know, think that, yeah, Edgar versus Marias. Instead of Henry Cejudo, they could have had Edgar move down to fight him. Because he could probably make 135. He could, but I don't think Edgar wants to make yeah. 135. That's the thing. It's like, of course he can. Right? I can make 135. Yeah. I just don't want to. <laughs> it's going to be a grueling cut, but... Oh, my God. It'd be, it'd be crazy. Um, I'd have to lose, like, 70 pounds. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a uh, typical wake up for Khabib. Yeah, you know? Um, guy, guy, yeah, guys cut, like, 40 pounds all the time, apparently. That's insane. It's... It's then they crazy. drink water like a gallon and like all the stuff they're doing to their body by doing that like see in amateur that doesn't fly because in amateur you always have to you never know when you're gonna fight right so you have to keep low keep high whereas in pros the guys are a lot more reliable so even you, like ben Askren was talking about one fc how they had like like they test you to see if you're hydrated the hydration test on the day before weigh-ins and then the weigh-in and then the day of the fight you have to weigh in again and you have to be in that weight range so if the ufc did that these divisions would look a lot different everyone would move up yeah. basically everyone would move up a weight class um yeah it's interesting and one of c they got some killers down there yeah um they got this this uh this you uh what's his name charlie sung or something like that mill weight champ they got mighty mouse yeah, Mighty Mouse is in there now. Who, by the way, didn't look as good as I thought he would look. Yeah. Um, now, I'm. I don't know the drug testing policy over at One. I'm gonna be honest with you, but considering the fact that it is an Asian company, yeah, I know where you're going with that. Um, and I'm not trying to say Asians juice. I'm just like yeah, yeah, I'm just saying let's keep it a buck with yeah. pride. And I'm very worried about what Japanese. And I, they're not Japanese per se, but what Asian companies are doing in terms of drug testing policies. Um, and for the record, Latin American competition, Latin American combat sports organizations looking at you too as well. Yeah. Um, so it's not just like, a, oh, he's picking on Asians thing. No, it's, you know, if you're not in the North American hemisphere or the European hemisphere, I'm very concerned about what you are doing to prevent guys from taking drugs. And, like, even looking at that, like, Pride used to encourage drug tests, like, steroids. We don't test for that. Just come in looking like a truck. It's okay. You make weight, you're good. It was crazy. It, it was it was crazy. I, that's that's the thing. I, I really hope people take that USADA example and do it. Yeah. Please, please. Keep the sponsorships, but keep USADA. And it's EPO. Like, I'm surprised they didn't test for that with TJ Dillashaw. Because he Man. came out. That was embarrassing. That's bad. Two-year ban. Henry Cejudo came in and still beat him. So he didn't last long there. And speaking of the captain of Cringe City, do you know he has an Olympic gold medal? Oh, yeah. I don't know if he explained it. 
a few times. Yeah. But he's well, fighting Mariah. I, I never see that. I never see <laughs> yeah. that. I never even see those videos. Like, he seems to miss those Olympic gold medals and that plaque on his wall from college wrestling. Yeah. I miss it. Well, I've ne- never seen him before. And then his gold titles that he beat Demetrius Johnson for and the other title that he beat TJ for. It. He, he has to show that off more often. <laughs> <laughs> but he's going to be fighting Marlon Marias moving up. I thought he should have uh, got that title. The fight should have been him and TJ for both titles at 125. But... He beat him, and now he's going to move up. Can Henry Cejudo become the next dual division champion? Well, see, here's the thing. Um, Marlon Moraes should should have been the number one contender at yeah. featherweight anyway. Um, and so now he's fighting Henry Cejudo. I expect Marlon Moraes to win. Um, now, Henry Cejudo is very fast. Yeah. This is the one thing that I think a lot of people need to understand. He is very fast. Um, and... Wise kind of relies on being faster than everybody else. So it's going to be interesting to see that um, how he deals with that. But um, Moaz is hungry. Um, he's uh, acting in a manner that I've never seen. And typically when guys like Moaz's type are very upset, it means they're motivated. Yeah. Um, I expect a motivated Marlon Moaz to come in there and beat Henry Cejudo. Yeah, so Cejudo, good for him. He's getting that title shot. And I don't know, maybe he could make history, but we have to wait and see about that. Oh, let me just say something about Douglas Lima versus Michael Van Page. Oh, okay. Saw that coming. <laughs> I saw that coming. Cobra Kai, sweep the leg, no mercy, knocked him out. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? Okay, so when Michael Van Page punches, he likes to put himself off balance with his long cross to initiate to have more power, which is why you see a lot of knockouts with that cross. So... If you kick the leg out, it means he's off balance. Um, I didn't think Douglas Lima was going to go for that, but the plan, I think the plan was to counter off of the off balance of his cross, which to counter off of the cross. And it's not like Venom Page is disguising it. He's showing you exactly what he's going to do. But, you know, it is what it is. Like, he kicked the leg out rather than countering. I thought he was going to counter. He didn't counter. He kicked the leg <laughs> out while, while he was doing it and then him with a very accurate punch. Now, what I like about Michael Venom's page, Page's attitude is that after match, he gave his credit and he seemed like he took the loss the right way. And I think that Michael Venom Page is going to go back to the drawing board. Please take some jujitsu classes <laughs> um, and, you know, get better. And I like that. I appreciate that. With that being said, I saw that coming. <laughs> I saw him, but I thought he was going to counter and hit him with a cross. Not, but anyway. It was good for him. He's going to the final now. Probably Douglas Lima will win the tournament, I think. I don't think Roy beats him for a second time. Roy's, Roy's interesting, man. He should have. He should. But <sighs> this God thing, man, I'm telling you. like I, He needs to be outside the octagon. If he's saying, the Lord has spoken to me in the cage, <laughs> red flags right there. I, but Roy's never been a guy with his head screwed on right. Yeah, it's it's just never happened, um, and he's a guy who's like always all in on stuff. So that's that's the one thing about him. Yeah. So uh, before we wrap up here, tell everybody how we can get a hold of you on social media at Michael Asifo on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Uh, oh, also, let's see. Podcast is kind of on hiatus, but uh, it's just another podcast where I just talk about life with my co-host. Bringing back a sports show coming very soon. Maybe Giancarlo, if you'd like to be a guest, we'll I'm down. <laughs> we'll have you on. Um, 
There's always cookies and drinks for everybody as well. <laughs> so, yeah, that's at Michael Sipo, Instagram and Twitter. Oh, Michael, thanks a lot for coming on. This has been In The Zone MMA Edition. Thanks a lot.